0: Okay, so tonight's going to be a little bit different. Instead of teaching, we're going to have some testimonies from ladies that have been walking through this study with us. And um, it's really going to be born out of a week where we've just reflected on God. As we finish up the doctrinal part of Romans, the first 11 chapters... We're stunned by what God has done, just like Paul when he says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Just stunned by what God has done. And so we want to take a moment to be stunned as well. And so um, those that feel led are going to come up and share a testimony, and uh, we're going to see what the Lord has to say for all of us. And Um, First we're going to start with Esther so Esther come on up and share with us what the Lord has taught you.
1: I want to say that God will never tell you what he has done for me so Lisa asked me to. God saved my soul and he gave me a purpose and he put me to work. After saving my soul God got busy pushing this shy timid 11 year old in the right direction. Because my dad was a Baptist minister my sister and I were expected to take part at youth rallies and sing in front of the congregation when no one else would volunteer to take a part or sing a special. You would think that by the time I was a young adult that I would have, that I would have felt comfortable being up in front. But Satan can taunt you most of your Christian life. He can make you feel like you're not the sharpest temple, uh, you're, you're not the sharpest Pencil in the box, and that somebody else will always be better qualified than you. But I realized that God's not so intent on my ability than He is my availability. So that helped me an awfully lot. Uh, Fast forward, when Ronnie and I married, we lived in Fallbrook, California, while he was in the Marine Corps. It shames me to admit that once Just a second. It shames me to admit that, that once, not once, did we ever step foot in church with our two little girls the entire three years. After coming back to Arkansas, I remember going out into the yard while my husband was washing the car and I told him that I knew that there was more to life than what he and I were living and that we needed to find a church and we needed to start living intentionally. In my young adult adult life, there were so many opportunities I would have lost had Jesus not invited me to work alongside him. God opened classroom doors and invited me to share what I knew with young children, with teenage girls, and even a class of women who I knew, they knew a lot more than I did. He even found a place for me in children's church and vacation Bible school. Evidently, God felt the need to stretch my husband and I and ask us if we would start a bus route in the Cutter Morning Star community. Now I know I must have felt like a deer caught in headlights that I was scared to death. But I have to admit that was the most wonderful time in our lives. On Saturdays, we would canvas the neighborhoods and we invited children to ride the bus to church with us on Sundays. The sky was the limit to be creative with our bus program. God taught us that he never gives us anything to keep for ourselves. He causes us to share it. But I'm, I'm getting a little braver because just last week, I noticed a young couple waiting to pick up their daughters downstairs in the gymnasium. I began telling them about our study in the book of Romans and I gave them two of the little cards that I pushed uh, passed out last week and started quoting Romans 1 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. It came for, for the Jews first and then for the Gentiles, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It for a long time, it took, I did not know the addresses to scriptures in the Bible, and it was hard for me to recite any of them. Um, I want to say that I will be forever grateful that God saw me one day and He could not see heaven without me.
0: Thank you, Esther. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And now, Beth is going to come share. What the Lord has put on her heart?
2: Well, like Esther, um, I kind of did the reflection of, of my life and how God's worked in it. So when I look back at my 60 years on earth, I think to myself, I'm so blessed. I am blessed to have been born in America, this country that our youth today are being taught and told to hate. I'm blessed to be born in this region of the country, in this state, in my little map dot hometown. How blessed I am to have been born into the family of which several several were Christians that became instrumental in my life to eventually, when I was saved, I'm blessed that God cared enough for me in my younger years when I had put him on a shelf, mostly communicating with him when I needed something. I'm good because, after all, I'm good because I've checked that box. I'm blessed even though my road broke and I went through a divorce and then to remarry and find myself in a blended family. And still, there were years of wondering not doing the next right thing or the next. But God's grace, grace upon grace. He pursued me. He held me. He taught me. He pruned me, he grew me, he blessed me. I co-lead a preschool children's class in BSF, uh, what Lisa was talking about a while ago, Bible study fellowship. And I'm blessed every week sharing the good news with these children, our next generation. I'm blessed to get to pour into these grandchildren of mine and, and my family, my children, others, the the love of Christ I'm blessed because he chose me just like he chose Paul that we've been studying about in Romans not that I'm doing any work like Paul did but God is working through me just like he did Paul and I still get to claim victory just like Paul did Charles Spurgeon said in the family register of glory the small and the great are written with the same pen And I've got a little small devotional to read you that I thought was really cool. Quaking aspen trees thrive in northern climates and are known for their beautiful, tall trunks with smooth, pale bark marked by black scarring. Their leaves are green and glossy, but in autumn are golden or brilliant yellow. Due to the manner in which the heart-shaped leaves are attached to the flattened stems, the slightest breeze trembles and shakes the golden leaves, transforming a stand of aspens into a beautiful, quivering display of gold. Each aspen in a grove is a clone of the other, and the stand of trees together is considered to be one organism, because new trees sprout from a common root system. In a similar way, believers are rooted in the Holy Spirit and connected to one another through that connection, though that connection is not visible to the natural sight, just as underground roots are not visible to the eye. You know, I was thinking about that, ladies, and Christians are all connected like that. Through the Holy Spirit, we all have that same kind of connection. Romans is my first Wednesday night study. I wouldn't come on Wednesday nights because I was already here on Wednesday mornings, working with the kids. So I guess I thought I had checked that box, too. But I'm so thankful that like a breath, you breathe in. And sometimes you sip just a little bit more. I've come to this beautiful study of the gospel in Romans because, again, I'm so blessed.
0: Okay, now Beverly is going to come share with us.
3: I'm just going to tell you about my friend and mentor, Jesus, and our path together through life. Didn't really know him as a child. I learned about him as a young teen when I would go to church with my aunt and cousins when I'd spend a week in the summertime with them. I grew up, got married, and had a son. When Gabe was in the third grade, we moved to Hot Springs. Church bus from Leonard Street Baptist Church, came by our house, stopped and invited Gabe to ride the bus to church. He went and liked it and kept going. Gabe is our only child and so I wanted to find out what he was doing at church. So I rode the bus to Leonard Street with him to see. We started attending Leonard Street. First I got saved, then Gabe and Elden got saved and baptized together esther and ronnie are our neighbors and they worked on church church bus ellen and i started working on the church bus with them and did for years i was 29 years old when i got saved that's a lot of years not to be serving god i was such a waste but he has allowed me to go on several mission trips both in and out of the united states to work for him and tell other people about him He's taken me to Glorietta, New Mexico and Ridgecrest, North Carolina, both Baptist teaching facilities, and to teach children's Sunday school classes and adults. He led me down the Emmaus road walk and to teach Bible school and at church and in rural neighborhoods. Plus, I got to be a Bible school director for years. I worked with youth, got to go to camp with the kids several years, sing in the choir and fit in even though I can't really sing. My parents and my youngest brother started going to church after I did and they all got saved. Jesus has guided me through my whole life even before I got saved. He's blessed me by giving me a Christian family plus allowing me to work for him in lots of ways through my life and my walk with him. I don't know what my life would have been like without Jesus and his love for me, but I'm so thankful that he loved me enough that I didn't have to find out. I'm so glad that he is my friend, my Lord, my Savior, my life. Everything has at all been a bed of roses, but he's always there to keep me through thick and thin. I haven't always been there for him, but he's always been there for me. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, ladies. Now I'm going to open it up to see who else would like to come share a word, maybe something that you put on your homework as a reflection. It could be how you came to know the Lord. Thank you so much, Terry. Terry's going to share with us. I kind of gave a brief outline. I didn't write a whole
4: lot, so. Um. My name is Terry Baker, and I too came from a household um, that didn't talk about the Lord, and and my mother would put me on the church bus for vacation Bible school. That's 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 what I remember when I was a child. Um. But it was along the years of, at 14, I lost my mom. And we lived in Texas at the time, and I still was not saved at 14. And I had a sister, and she was fixing to graduate high school the day, or actually the year before. And um, so my aunt, my mom's sister came, to Texas to get me and I went to Hot Springs uh, to live and so far I've I've been here and I I love this state. Um, She took me to church and she will be the first person when I go to heaven um, to hug and thank her. And uh, my sister as well went, uh, she wanted to stay there in Texas and um, go to school and finish her last year and she as well went to a very good Christian home and was saved throughout that um, I just in my you know sometimes I don't mean to be so mean, but sometimes I just wonder if you know that's why he took my mom I, you know look look what the good happened out of it anyways um So I was saved, and at 21, years passed by, and I just never acknowledged the Lord. I just did not have anybody teaching me, and so at uh, 21, um, I asked the Lord, I said, please bring someone good to me, you know, and gosh, I I wish I'd had a journal at the time, but shortly after that, I met my husband, and we've been married for 36 years. Um, I see God's protective hand on me, and I look back on that so many times. I, I made silly, silly decisions. Um, all my life, I would hear people say, you know, God brings trials your way, and you'll get those. They'll, they're going to happen. Well, I just—I guess the things that happened to me, I never looked at them as tra- trials. But one time, um, it was actually in 2013, it was a major trial, and um, it, it, I went through it for three years, and uh, I just prayed. And, I, and the reason that happened is I just wasn't close to the Lord, and I realized that, and the outcome of all this. Here I was raising my children, taking them to church, and praying, and we got them both saved when they were very young. But anyways, I prayed, and the Lord, he, he followed through, and quickly after that, I, my life has been changed, and like I said, that was probably 2017, so about COVID is when things really majorly woke me up, you know, and I started having like an anxiety attack. I've never had one before, but that was my first one, and it's just the Lord shaking me up, and... I've just learned so much, and I'm following the Lord and, and I'm going this weekend. Uh, I just feel led. Um, I'm glad you're wanting us to do the testimonies tonight. Um, I've wanted to, but I'm too nervous to do it, so I'm thankful. And I know this weekend might, that might happen too at that camp. <laughs> but y'all, God is good. Praise the Lord. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Terry, for sharing. All right, who's next? we got plenty of time, and I don't mind waiting. All right, we're going to have Susan
5: share. Well, I didn't plan on this tonight, but the scripture tells us to always be ready to give an account for the hope that is within you. And as a child, I had gone down, gotten saved. Not really, but that's part of my story. And um, my sisters had gone down. And so I went down with them. They baptized me, did, did all that. But after I got married, um, my husband got saved and we started going to church. And um, all of a sudden I started doubting my salvation. And so I would tell my husband, man, I'm just doubting. He'd say, Susan, you're reading your Bible. You're doing this. You know, you're doing all these things. Whew. That'd just take a, a weight off of me, you know, like he could tell me whether I was saved or not. So <laughs> so a little time would go by, and I'd begin doubting again. And all this time, God was pursuing me and showing me that I was in need of a Savior but instead, I'd go to Larry and say, man, I'm doubting again. And he would tell me all those things I, were do- I was doing. And whew, I'd be okay for a little while. But one day, I told him, I said, I'm doubting again. And he goes, well, you know what? You might want to listen to God because I can't tell you whether you're saved or not. I was like, what? You know, because I was so used to him giving me that assurance. And so it took me a while, but um, we left church one night. And um, I told him on the way home. I was just crying, looking out the window. You know how we do, trying to hide it. He goes, what is wrong? I said, I just need to be saved. And so we got home that night in um, September 20th, 1995. And I knelt down beside our bed and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to tell you what, he has taken me on a journey that has been amazing. Uh, he's helped me through some very hard times in my life. Uh, he's helped me overcome a lot of things in my childhood that was, would just devastate you if I told you, but God said, those who he sets free are free indeed. And so God began to bring healing into my life and setting me free from different types of abuse, abuse that I had gone through in my life. And, um, immediately when we got, when I got saved, the church began to disciple us. And they laid that firm foundation for me to know that I was standing on the rock and that no one, no one could pluck me out of his hand. That once I am saved, I am always saved. And you know what? I have never, ever doubted again. And so I know that I'm a, a child of God now. And, um, but in, in Psalms 139, it says, You are beautiful, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I give God all the praise and the glory because due to the way I was raised and the events that had happened in my life, I had a horrible self-esteem. But after reading Psalms 139, God began to show me just how beautiful I was to him. And so if you ever doubt your salvation, don't play around with it. That is the mercy and the grace and your loving father drawn you to be saved. And I am so thankful that day that I yielded my life to him
0: thank you Susan you know one of the benefits of testimony is not just to glory to God but it helps you know your sister's in Christ there's things that you wouldn't necessarily know when you just see people in church or if you're not sitting at the table with them sharing on group time all right someone else
6: and I usually don't like to share unless I have it all written out and kind of have a plan, because I tend to kind of wander around the thing. But all week, I just really thought about that first question, and the first question was basically, either choose a specific path that God has taken you on, or it could be your salvation story or whatever. When I, and I felt like I've shared my salvation story so many times, and I thought, well... So I started down the rabbit track of ministry, and, and I thought... It just didn't flow, and it was like sometimes whenever you're asked to share a testimony we we tend to go with the highs or the lows or the salvation story or which is all so good, but I felt like that's not what God had for me, and so I was driving to work this morning, and I was just thinking about how that uh how relationships work, and I was thinking about you know my husband and I thought. You know, if our relationship, if all you knew about me and my husband were the highs and the lows, you really wouldn't know much about his character or really, um, you know, there's the whole thing where you get married and you're, you're falling in love and you're, you know, you get married and then you go along and then there's some bumps in the road and then you have your kids. That's a big, you know, high. Then there's some, you know, lows when you lose parents, different things like that. But I was thinking about his character, my husband's character, and uh, and then I got to work. And my husband's like this, real even keel. He doesn't ever. I can count on the time. I'm on one hand, how many times he's ever lost his temper, like at work. Not with me. It's a little different, you know, because I push his buttons. But <laughs> at work, he's just like this. And, uh, and he accidentally, he might kill me for saying this, but he accidentally butt-dolled me today whenever he was at work. And I heard the most precious thing because I knew that he had gotten really frustrated at work this week. Um, he's he's an engineer and everything is just, you know, got to be a certain way. And someone had messed with his controls and he lost his temper a little bit. And I thought, you know, that's that's his character. He was apologizing for losing his temper, which is so good. And I thought, that's kind of how it is with God. You know, we, we look at the highs, we look at the lows whenever you're going back and mapping out your story. Because I've done that several times. You map out your story with the highs and the lows. And I thought that, you know, sometimes it's that ordinary. It's the ordinary every day walking with God and just seeing his faithfulness on a day-to-day basis. And one of my very favorite songs is The Goodness of God. And I'm just going to read that first verse to you. It says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And then, you know, it goes on. And sometimes in the busyness of life, when things are good and it's just like this and we're not having the ups and the downs, it's so easy to forget how faithful he is in the ordinary, and we, we look at the things that are just, we expect them to be that way, we expect to wake up and have an ordinary day, and I'm so thankful for those ordinary days, because sometimes the non-ordinary days are really hard, the, you know, the bad phone calls, the calls that you didn't ever want to get, or, uh, um, you know, just the, the things that are unsettling, but the ordinary days are a blessing. And when he shows up in just such sweet ways. And I was thinking about, you know, when, when we were younger, there were a lot more ups and downs. And uh, job losses or, you know, having to move or things like that. And, and it's been kind of steady for a little while now. But I've gotten busy really busy. And so I took a full-time job, and sometimes your relationship with God will suffer because you're so busy. And I was just thinking, though, how faithful he's been. And it's the small things. It's like um, you see it, I guess, maybe with your children sometimes more than you see it with yourself when you're on this side of the, <laughs> of the road, and uh, how faithful he's been to them. And just some of the things that have happened over the last year, just some people who have reached out with an encouraging word, or a group of women who have prayed over my family the last year, over some big things, you know, and uh, just, um, we just don't want to forget to always remember whenever it's good that he has, he's still there, and he's making it good for us, and he's always going to give us those markers, and sometimes those markers are just in an ordinary day, so I just want to thank God for my ordinary
0: days. great reminder of the ordinary days markers in the ordinary days I like that thank you Dan all right someone else I remind remind me your name I'm so bad justice, justice. I should know that Next we're time. talking about God's justice in Romans so come on <laughs> <laughs> spelled differently but <laughs> it is
7: <laughs> so everybody's talking about people who hate speaking in front of people y'all I've never met someone that hates it more than I do I literally work in a field where I'm not supposed to talk to a lot of people um But one of the big things we're talking about God's faithfulness and stuff, one of the, y'all have to excuse me, I'm not super versed in the Bible. um, But one of the messages that I've been getting a lot lately is about putting the wine into like an old vessel. It breaks and you lose everything. Well, without going into major detail, over the last two years, I've been going through something that's still going on this year. Hopefully it'll be wrapped up. I was talking to a coworker today about it and she was like, you have so much peace like, you're so kind. Like, you know, like, you're so positive about it. And I looked at her, I was like, God. I was like, because the me I was two years ago when it started, I couldn't have handled it. I didn't handle it. Struggled. Like, very upset about it. Like, like, it was bad. I was like, but I'm almost thankful for it. Because the me that I am now can't accept it. It's such a better person. I'm like, she's like, well, it could have been wrapped up so much faster. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It could have. But if God had given me what I thought I wanted or needed at that time, I couldn't take it. And then I would have broken, and it all would have been lost. So I'm thankful for the struggle. So just kind of piggybacking off of his faithfulness, you know, I'm thankful for the hard days, the ordinary days, the things that I learned. Um, because two years ago, it would have been a, a blessing wasted because I wasn't ready to receive it. But he has given me messages and messages through people that I haven't even seen in months, and then I randomly see them, and he, she's like, God just told me so much is going to happen for you this year right after I find out something, and I was like, okay. I don't know what we're doing, but okay, I hear you, God. I'm gonna step into it. I'm scared, but we're gonna do it, you know. And so so I'm I'm thankful for his faithfulness.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of when we studied Romans 8 28, and we know that in in all things, God works for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so the purpose, we talked about that, the purpose is For us to be created in the image of Christ conformed to his image for his glory and that's exactly what you're sharing justice and it's a it's a it's a beautiful picture of only God can do that when we submit to him and that we can then give a testimony like James says count it all joy when you face trials for the testing of your faith is producing what God wants to produce if we surrender to him so that, that's really great. Thank you for sharing that. Your first time here, and you shared your testimony. Yeah, see? See? Did, did you feel like I need Okay. Is anyone else out there being poked? Justice, justice was poked by the Holy Spirit. So if you are feeling that poking of the Holy Spirit, wonderful. Another first-timer going to share their testimony. Samantha, is that right? I'm so bad with names. I call the wrong name sometimes.
8: Hey, everybody. I'm going to sit a minute. Okay, so, again, I wasn't prepared for this either, so... Does this need to be off to the side? Okay. Okay. So, I was born in New Jersey, the youngest of four kids. And we had a very interesting culture where we lived. You had to have thick skin, you know? You were expected to have thick skin. And... Um, you had to to survive and so as the youngest I may or may not be the most tender-hearted of the crew and my oldest brother is a good eight years older than me and he used to tell me you got to get thicker skin you're too sensitive you know and he would pick on me to toughen me up and um, when I was about uh, I was 11 almost 12 we moved to Florida And I was so relieved. Like I didn't realize the emotional toll that the environment we were living in had on me until that was removed. And so when I was 12, I had a friend who had brought me to a Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames uh, play, and I was saved. And I came home and I told my mom, and mom was like, you were already saved. You asked Jesus into your heart years ago. And I was like, I don't remember that, you know? Again, nobody can tell you if you've been saved, right? And, and maybe I was. I actually remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me when I was 11, 12, and, and didn't recognize that's who it was until after I became more mature and understood the Holy Spirit more. So um, anyway... You know, I've been through a lot of trials, and I speak lightheartedly about my upbringing and my, my brother and my siblings, but realistically, my, my home environment was very, very critical. Um, and so I grew up feeling like I had to be perfect to be loved or accepted. And So through the course of this growing up, I'll tell you some of the trials that we encountered. So when I was 16, my father was 57. He had a massive heart attack. He was rolled into the ER. Um, They had to shock him nine times to bring him back. He ended up with heart failure, had bypass surgery and had heart failure and couldn't return to work. And we just cried out to God you know, to save him through the course of that, that event. You know, it was several weeks of time between his heart attack and recovery and surgery. And I just remember kneeling at the altar with my sister, just crying, like begging God to save our father. And you know, 23 years later, he's still with us. He's not healthy by any means, but he's still with us. You know, I had married young and had kids young through the fear that my father wouldn't get to know my children. And my daughter's here, almost 18 years old, and she got to know her papa. You know, I mean, that is the faithfulness of God. And so then, moving on, I enlisted in the Coast Guard at 17 years old. And I was stationed in Texas. My family was in Florida. And I thought... I was confident, but I quickly realized how anxious I was being out in the world, the mean world that tells me I have to be perfect to be loved and accepted, living stationed with these men who were rough around the edges and didn't know God, you know, and wouldn't you know, the Lord brought me a Christian man a week into being stationed at my new unit, I'm married to him, so the Lord provided me my person, and He took care of me, and I had anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety and depression all my life, but the Lord has continued to meet me where I am and provide for me in that. Um. In 2007, I had an, a um, miscarriage. Kaylee was an infant. And it was, you know, early in the pregnancy, I knew something was wrong. I was only four and a half weeks pregnant, I think, when I found out, and around six weeks pregnant or less when I miscarried. I knew something wasn't right. It didn't feel right. But that doesn't change the loss. And so Brian and I both were incredibly depressed. And I can honestly tell you that was the first time in my life that I truly blamed God for something. Having been raised in the church, heard scripture all my life, I had long relied on him and believed that when things went wrong, he would bring it about for my good regardless somehow. But after that miscarriage, I just struggled with anger with God. And he was so patient with me. You know, he met me where I was once again and he tolerated me being angry with him, and he continued to pursue me, and he continued to love me, and call me back to him. So I had, I, I, was, I got pregnant again three months later, and I have a beautiful, healthy boy who's 15 now, and that was God's plan for my life, you know, um, to have him, and I, I'm, I don't know the reason for that miscarriage. But I know I wouldn't have Sean if it hadn't happened, and I believe wholeheartedly that I will see that baby again someday. So whatever God's reason, I have to just have faith, right? So um, fast forward to 2017, So my husband and I have had struggles off and on. I mean, goodness, we were children when we got married, right? I was 18 and he was 19, so we grew up together. Um, And so we've had lots of struggles throughout our marriage. Um, But come 2017, he had an affair, and I found out about it. And it was absolutely devastating and probably one of the most difficult things I've ever been through in my life. And at the time, I was in a job that I was absolutely miserable in. Every day, for a while there, I would go to work, and on my way to work, I would just cry. And in between, it was I was doing home health. Between visits, I would cry. You know, I loved my patients, but my work environment was awful. And there was so much more to that. It was just not a good fit for my life, I didn't feel like And I would listen to worship, and any worship song that came on the radio that gave me the opportunity to plead with God to remove this struggle from my life, I would belt it. Um, So I had that going on, and then find out about my husband's affair, and it was horrendous. And so, you know, God once again met me where I was. I remember one day I was between visits and I got a phone call from a beloved sister here from Crossgate, and she said, you know, the Lord just told me to call you, and she knew what was going on in my life, but she said, the Lord just wanted me to call you, and I just want to tell you how beautiful you are. I don't know if any of you have been through a situation where someone has cheated on you, But the amount of self-doubt that is called into question in that environment is unbelievable. And the Lord knew that day what I needed to hear. And he provided that. And my sister was faithful to listen. She had no idea what was going on with me that day, you know? And there were days that I would just be so depressed and questioning why on earth God would allow this to happen. He could have stopped it. He could have prevented this. And my husband, being a believer, having wholeheartedly repented, and he was completely brokenhearted over the situation, and he would speak God's word of encouragement to me. And so there's a scripture that you'll appreciate because it's from Romans that Brian used to speak to me in those times when we were trying to struggle along and repair our marriage. And I would get so (laughs) frustrated with him for telling me this. But so Romans 5 says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so he would remind me that this suffering will produce endurance, and that endurance will produce character, and the character will produce hope. And Brian would be patient with me when I would say, how the heck is that going (laughs) to happen? But here we are. We've been married for 22 years and deeply in love and, you know, still broken together human beings who sin on a daily basis and get into rotten arguments that our poor children have to hear but we're here together and loving each other and God has been faithful to bring us through that tribulation and so lately it's it's interesting to me that God made a way for me to be here tonight and talk to you all because lately he's just had me pondering how uh, for the longest time I was resentful of my upbringing, of feeling that pressure of having to be perfect and having all that criticism and and that you need to toughen up stuff. And now I'm looking back and I'm I'm in a job now that is very tough. I have to have hard conversations with people. I have to be willing to push people to do work that they don't necessarily want to do. I have to be willing to not be everybody's friend for the purpose of accomplishing what we need to accomplish at work. It's not easy sitting in that position of conflict and holding people accountable. And I realize that God has equipped me for this role, you know, and just knowing that all of these trials and tribulations that he has brought me through, they have produced endurance they have produced character and you know the hope that I have from it is knowing that he is faithful and he will every single time regardless of whether I'm perfect regardless of whether I'm pursuing him or doing what I'm supposed to be doing reading scripture and spending time in you know prayer and all those things regardless of whether I'm being the good Christian he's going to meet me where I am and he's going to be faithful to hold me and pull me through whatever you know, people say, he won't give us more than we can handle. Oh, yes, he will. <laughs> he will. He won't give you more than he can handle, and he's going to carry you through it. Deanne, I appreciate you bringing that song up because it's hard for me not to cry when I hear it because I feel like that that song is so much the story of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. It really is. So anyway, thanks for listening.
0: So not only do we have romans eight twenty eight but we also have the verse that we talked about in chapter eight about how the suffering of this life does not compare to the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. And so that's a big part of our hope is the glory that we're going to get to be conformed to and experience one day out of the suffering. doesn't even compare. That's beautiful. Thank you, Samantha. I love that song too. I've already got that mapped out in my funeral. I have my whole funeral planned. And so we're going to play that song and do the p- photos during that song because I love that song too. <laughs> oh, okay. Someone else. Anybody else feel the Lord just draw on their heart to share something? Okay. Thank you so much for the testimonies. It was just a be- beautiful to to map out God's path in your life and even reflect on scripture and how God's word is true even if we can't see it clearly in the moment there will come a point where we either we hang on to it if it's a promise or we reflect and see how it's played out in our lives one of the advantages of of being older I can say is that you have a whole big bank account with God that you draw on when the next challenge comes or when, when he's convicting you. You can look back and see the beauty of all of that. So what I wanted to do is just read you a few things to wrap up because we are wrapping up uh, the first 11 chapters of Romans. And we end with that beautiful doxology in Romans eleven thirty three through 36. And I just want to share a few thoughts that I got from a sermon by John Piper on um, these verses. And we talked a little bit about it last week, but just reflecting not only on what God has done in our lives, but just the stunning beauty of who he is. After we dealt with so many things that were strengthening and mind-blowing that we couldn't get our minds around with predestination and election, and I'll have mercy on who I have mercy, and harden who I will have hard, I will harden, we, we we walked through all of those things, and we were certainly left with a stunning picture of God and a lot of mysteries. But as Paul does his doxology, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God and and searchable his judgments, his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him, and we said, alone be the glory forever. He said that in Jesus Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him because he is the ultimate treasure. The riches. And where we see this, when we think of the riches of God, we think we have a tendency to think of material, but here are some other verses that talk about the riches of God. And just, just let this, you can write them down or you can just let this wash over you if you want. I can get you a copy of it. The riches of God's grace is in Ephesians 1. The riches of his kindness in Romans 2. The riches of his glory in Romans 9. The most personal and ultimate way, though, to speak of God's wealth is to call it, as Paul does in Ephesians 3, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable. You cannot get to the end of it. And that's a common word for the Lord because he's, so, he's infinite. So when we start reflecting on his character and who he is, we never can trace it to the end. The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul says in Colossians. The riches of the glory of this mystery, the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When Christ died, he both bought and became our greatest treasure. He himself is the gift and the greatness of the glory of God. Paul says also in Colossians that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says that God's knowledge, and let's reflect on this, is so unfathomably deep that he knows, and, and, and just listen to this and let this wash over you, God knows all recorded facts, all the facts that have ever been stored on all the computers and all the books in all the libraries in the world. But vastly more than that, he knows all events at the macro level all that happens on Earth and in the atmosphere and the farthest reaches of space in every galaxy and star and planet. And he knows all the events on the micro level, all that happens in molecules and atoms and electrons and protons and neutrons and quarks, which if you try to look at quarks, that's very confusing. He knows all their movements in every location and every condition of every particle of the universe at every nanosecond of time. And he knows all the events that happen in human minds and wills, all the volitional and emotional and spiritual events, every thought, every choice, every feeling that includes in the past, in the present, in the future. He knows every event that has ever happened ever will happen at every level of existence, physical, mental, and volitional. And he knows how all the facts and all events of every kind relate to each other and affect each other. When one event happens, he not only sees it, but he sees the eternal chain of effect that flow from it, from all the billions of events that are unleashed by every other event. Does that, is that blowing your mind yet? He knows all this without the slightest strain on his mind. That is what it means to be God. And Paul says that not only God's knowledge, but his wisdom is unfathomably deep. He's infinitely wise. He's always able to conceive and carry out plans that have good goals and make use of all that knowledge to bring to pass what he purposes. He knows how to use all the facts of the universe, guide all the events of the universe to achieve the best end, namely the display of the fullness of his glory magnified so that his people can worship him. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, once again, are hidden in Christ. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's what John says. And Christ is the sustainer of all created reality. Colossians 1 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In my Bible, I have me also. I hold together in Christ. And all created reality is for the sake of making Christ known and loved because all things were created for him. Now, that's a stunning picture of God, but let's go a a little bit deeper. And I want to point out two things. This is the God of the universe. This is the God who has called us, that has pursued us, as all of you have shared. And yet, so often, we can have a tendency to be bored with God, to be bored with his word, because we don't pause and take time to reflect on the mind-blowing truths about who he is. And so one writer said, why would a God of infinite holiness, infinite justice, infinite power, infinite love and mercy, and infinite glory step down and resurrect and redeem people like us, people that often are bored with him? Because he is not happy to just be immeasurably gracious and kind. He wants to show how gracious and kind he is. A grace and kindness beyond counting. And we will trace the threads of his love, just like you guys have been doing tonight. You have been tracing the threads of his love. But we will be doing that for all of eternity. With thrilling and fulfilling views at every turn. And we will still never find the end. Never. What a hope that we have, ladies. What a hope. So thank you so much for sharing. Even for those that didn't share the time that you took this week, tracing the threads of his kindness there is great value in that. And so I thank you for that. And so next week, we'll pick up in Romans 12. And we're just going to cover two verses. So you got a whole week on two verses. So it's a really rich study. So I hope you have time to, to work on the first two verses of Romans 12. Let's pray. God, we just praise you because all our lives, you have been faithful. All our lives, you've been so good we have lived in the goodness of God. And Lord, we are living in the goodness of God right now. We praise you for that, that you would love us and pursue us and give yourself to us. We pray that you would take away the self-centeredness and the sin and the distractions that cause us to be bored with unfathomable beauty and help us to be stunned by it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.